Welcome back to the emergency goalies. Uh, Blackhawk season pretty much over. We just have three games to go, and uh, there were three games this week. I'll do a little recap of them. Now, full disclosure, uh, me and Michael are doing some of our Cubs duties, so I, I watched some of these games, but not all of them. So you'll have to bear with me on yeah. this one. And I had family in town, so I wasn't even doing Cubs stuff this weekend, let alone the Blackhawks stuff. So Yeah. All right. Anyway, uh, the three games started in San Jose uh, against the Sharks. Um, Sharks are going to make the playoffs, but they've been struggling. They were on a seven-game losing streak when they took on the Blackhawks, and this was an exciting game. Um, back and forth, the uh, Blackhawks took a quick lead, and the Sharks battled back, and it was a real seesaw affair. Um, Debrinket had a, a goal for sure that I saw, but um, actually he had the winning goal to make it 5-4, to four, but uh, things the Blackhawks jumped out to a 3 nothing lead. Uh, Taves had one of the goals, and, you know, they really looked good, and the Sharks did not look good. But the Sharks started battling back and chipped away, chipped away. They tied the game at three. The Blackhawks took the lead again. Then the Sharks tied it again. Then the Blackhawks finally scored midway through the third period to take a 5-4 lead, and uh, Crawford played well at the end, and they were able to hold on to get the win. You know, the season basically over, but, hey, that was a win, so that was nice. Um... Then the next game, that was Thursday, was Saturday against the L.A. Kings, who have nothing to play for. They're not good, but uh, they seem to be playing the Blackhawks very well. It was a low-scoring game. Dabrinkit again scored for the Blackhawks and Gustafson, and the Kings scored a couple goals, so the game was 2-2 into overtime. Uh, The Blackhawks had some great chances in overtime. They had a couple breakaways and two-on-ones and stuff that uh, were stoned. And then uh, Tabes committed a penalty about 30 seconds left in overtime. And I, that was about the maddest I've seen Tabes all year. He was yelling and screaming. I saw this part. And um, the Kings were able to score in the uh, overtime power play. What's new with the Blackhawks losing in overtime? But uh, So they dropped that one 3-2. to two. And then yesterday, we're recording this on a Tuesday, so Monday night, the Blackhawks played the Jets. Another playoff team with, I think, are they pretty set in their seed, aren't they? Uh, no, they're actually only a couple of points ahead of a couple of points ahead of both the Predators and the uh, the Blues. So it's going to come down to the wire, and the and the Blackhawks will have a say in it because they play. Um, all three of those teams in this final week here. Well, I guess we've already just we just played the Jets, but um, we still play the Blues and the Predators. All right. Well, so then the Jets did have something to play for in this game. Um, it was another back and forth game. Uh, Blackhawks scored first. Taves setting Taves set his career or season high, career season high. How do I want to put that? They he had the most points in his career. <laughs> Yes. Easy for me to say. Uh, scored first. Uh, the Jets scored a couple goals to make it 2-1. to one. Uh, Then the Blackhawks scored again. No, no, the Jets scored three goals in a row to make it 3-1. to one. Uh, Then the Blackhawks scored to make it 3-2, to two, Dylan Strome. And then with about a minute and a half left in the game, Blackhawks pulled their goalie 
and Dylan Strom scored again to tie the game in the waning minutes. So that led to another overtime game. And shocker, the Blackhawks lost again in overtime. This time their old buddy Kevin Hayes, who never actually played for the Blackhawks, but was Blackhawks property. Yeah, former first-round pick. Yep. Scored a great, really great move to score the winning goal for the Jets. So it was three games. They got four points. Not that it really matters at this point. They're still technically alive, although I think it, I don't know if anyone's playing tonight, but they literally are, are, were still alive by a single point last night after their overtime. Yeah, so. I think heading into tonight's games, they still were mathematically not eliminated, but and I don't think any of the games tonight have finished yet at the time of our recording, so and I probably believe, still safe, but I think probably by the time we wake up in the morning, it'll be over. And I believe Officially. that yeah, that mathematical chance was point zero two five percent or something like that. So it's yeah. not going to happen. The Blackhawks have three games left. I don't know if we really learned anything from this set of games. Drake uh, Drake Kajula was back. Yeah, and then uh, I, I did see he got into a little scuffle with uh, Dustin Bufflin. Yes, and it left him pretty dinged up. So I mean, yeah. probably not, not the real wise smart thing. coming off of a concussion. No. But anyway, other than that, I mean, Tapes set a new career high. That was yep, nice. Say, uh, and uh, we did have uh, DeBrinket hit the 40-goal mark and surpass it, actually. Yeah, I'm tra- so. yeah, and, you know, he's past Kane now. Kane's scoring's pretty much right up. You, you yeah, wonder Kane's still obviously quite quite a bit ahead on points, but, uh, yeah, he has passed him in goals. I'm pretty sure it's... Yeah. Yeah. But uh, Kane is just, you think it's probably fatigue because he had to do I gotta so much. I got to think it is. Yeah, I mean, he's been so consistent throughout his career, but, you know, he's 30 and Colleton was riding him really hard to try and get back into the playoff race. And Kane was just playing uh, too many minutes to sustain a high level of production for the for the remainder of the season and yeah I, I just think he's out of gas um, but yeah I mean you know it's a, that's a big accomplishment for Gabrinkit to you know in his second season just 20 years old to hit the 40 goal mark uh, you know it's big news for Taves to, to set career highs and goals and assists and you know have a big bounce back year offensively after a couple of down years where a lot of people were thinking he might be kind of done as a high-end offensive player. So, you know, that, that's all stuff that uh, we can build off of heading into next season. Uh, you mentioned Dylan Strom had scored two goals uh, in the last game. That gives him 19 on the season. Uh, that's a, That would obviously be a big thing to get him to the 20-goal mark as well. You know, actually, I think... Um is Gustafson at like 17 or 18? He's pretty high up there. That was going to be my, actually the next thing I was going to check here. Cause I know he's been, he's been showing up on the score sheet a lot, but I think it was more uh, assists over the last week. Um, but yeah, he's up to 17. So he's going to come up a little short of the 20 goal mark. And then like for Dylan Strom, only 16 of them have come in the Blackhawks uniform, but you know, he did get three with the coyotes. So, yeah, you know, there's a couple of uh, 
career markers that you'd like to see those guys hit. But uh, Gustafson, I think, is second in the league in goals for defensemen at this point, and uh, he's one of only like a half a dozen Blackhawk defensemen to reach the 40 assist mark over the last like 30 years. So, although I haven't really watched the last couple of games, uh, just over the last few weeks, I really think he's been tightening up his defensive effort uh, quite a bit. And, you know, just judging by, I know it's not the greatest indicator, but at least over the last week in those three games, his plus minus has remained strong. Um, I know him and Keith were getting really good possession numbers uh, in the games leading up to it. So it, it seems like he's really starting to solidify himself as a potential top four defenseman, not just as an offensive guy, but you know maybe somebody that we can hopefully reliably count on as something as a top four guy next season. Yeah, because if you can play defense like even decently with his offense then he's a guy you'd want to hang on to for sure right yeah i mean the the one nice trend that i've seen over the last three or four weeks with the blackhawks even though they haven't been winning as much as they were um you know we talked during that streak that the winning streaks that you know, it wasn't really sustainable what they were doing. It was a little bit of a mirage because the Blackhawks were getting outshot in so many of the games. But even though they've been losing a bit more as of late, their possession numbers and their uh, shots against have been going down quite steadily uh, over the last month. Um, it was you know, a pretty regular occurrence for the Blackhawks to give up 35, 40, 45, even 50 shots on goal in some games, it seemed like, uh, especially during, like, December and January time frame. And I'd say over the last three weeks, I, I don't have the exact figures in front of me, but my guess is it's probably more in the high 20s, low 30s for what their average has been. There's been quite a few games where they've been down around 25, 26 shots against, which is just, you know, it's a vast improvement. And I think a lot of that has to be accounted for in the improved play from both Gustafson and Keith um, over the last few weeks. And then uh, also uh, Connor Murphy, you know, kind of rounding more into mid-season form, you know, obviously we're at the end of the season, but he missed that those first 30 games, so I think he's getting a little more comfortable, and then just, you know, the team as a whole getting more comfortable in Colleton's system, so... Yeah, and so then, then you're kind of hoping for next year maybe, maybe get a free agent defenseman, like a moderate value, not like a high-end... Yeah, not a, not a big, not a big acquisition, but yeah, and just then, somebody reliable. Yeah, and then hopefully Yoki Haru takes a step forward like in the camp mm-hmm. and stuff that's what you're yeah, hoping for that would make a big difference for them if, if if they could get you know one or both of those things to 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 happen you know early on next season and also to keep murphy healthy um you know having one of your few reliable guys miss 30 games is obviously not uh the best situation when you're so thin uh, at the top end there but yeah no I, it's obviously not a successful season um 
obviously not what the team hoped. I think it's more in line with what fan expectations were. I, I definitely think that there's a little bit of a disconnect between what the front office thought their team was and what fans thought their team was. I, I, you know, we we saw the things with like. Uh, Brandon Manning with the signing and Chris Kunitz and the Cam Ward signing. All those were signings that, that seemed to indicate that the front office thought that, you know, they could at least compete a little more than they actually did. Yeah, but you always wonder with that, like, too, do they really believe it or are they just, you know, yeah. are they saying that, you know, because they didn't make any moves at the trade deadline. They didn't try to add anybody. So, if they really right. thought they were going for it, but you never know what you know. But publicly, yeah, they said they were going for it. So I don't know right. if I believe them or. And what. I think one good indicator that that would back up what you're saying is most of those deals were one year contracts, and you know, really the only the only multi year one was Brandon Manning, and oh, which was they had to regret that as soon as they signed him. I, yeah. I don't know what they were thinking on that, but. Thankfully, we've been rescued from that, and uh, you know, Kajul is a, at least a useful, valid NHL player as opposed to Manning, who was just a dumpster fire. Yeah, one thing so, you should always say about the NHL: there's always a couple uh, dumb GMs out there to bail you out. So, you know, a few years ago, there was more than a couple. It's a it's a dying breed. Um, the NHL is. Definitely starting to creep into like the 1990s in terms of like what baseball GMs were. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the entire NHL is like three decades behind what baseball is in terms of analytics and kind of the new breed of GMs who, you know, value data driven um, results. Uh, and you know, kind of that, that old breed of NHL GM is it's drying up a little bit. Yeah. And I think the ones that failed to embrace that of are, you know, and you I mean, know, that's at, not to say at, that, you know, yeah, all but, analytics are useful and that old school scouting is out of date. Um, yeah, but you know, I was going to say, too, that and look at the guy that bailed out the Blackhawks, uh, Shirelli, was fired, what, like, like two a weeks week later? later. So, yeah, those guys are starting to go away. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully, and uh, you know, honestly, you know, some of the, the, the moves that Bowman made in season this year and then even like the Dahlstrom extension that he gave out, none of it has any long-term ramifications for the Blackhawks as far as the cap you know, that was the big thing over the last few years that really hurt the Blackhawks was Bowman uh, miscalculating, uh, overvaluing his own players and giving out contracts beyond what those guys were worth. And it was really sh- strangling them in terms of the cap and their flexibility. Uh, you know, Anisimov was overpaid. Uh, Manning was overpaid. Yeah, obviously Seabrook. Seabrook was way overpaid. Oh, uh, Richard Ponick was way overpaid. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 
we've gotten out of a lot of those, but there's still a couple of those that are hanging on. Thankfully, you know, with the, the host of trade to get that contract off the books, we, we've got a little bit of flexibility heading into this year, but, you know, they've also got to keep in mind to earmark uh, extensions for Debrinket and Strom next year, which, you know, that's going to be at least, I'd say, $12 million if we're doing bridge deals, but if they're looking for longer term contracts for those guys, I think you're looking more in the $15 million range combined between those two. So even though I think the Blackhawks have something like 16 or 17 million in cap space next year, they can't just go buck wild and give out a bunch of long-term contracts yeah. to fill up all that space. Cause they just, other than Crawford, they don't, have any other big contracts coming off the books in the following year to be able to fit both the Brinkett and Stroman. So yeah, you got to be careful signing like like a four or five year deal. Like you might see a one year yeah. deal for a couple guys, or maybe a trade. I don't know something. Controlled. Yeah, I mean they could always you know try to move a off next off season or something along those lines, but. You know, you can't. It's it's difficult to count on that sort of thing. So, you know, you you want to make sure that they they spend responsibly this this off season. You know, because I mean, look at they did pretty good. Like adding Strom for basically not just they traded um, Schmaltz, and it's like that was a way to add a really impact player for not that much money. So maybe they'll take a couple more flyers on guys like that, and maybe try to find lightning in a bottle. Yeah, that. Uh... You know, even though I think both guys have similar upsides, uh, uh, I think Strom has a little bit higher upside, especially given that he's, I think, a little bit more natural center of a centerman. But the big thing with that was it kicked the extension talks a year down the road. Uh, Str- um, Schmaltz just signed his big contract because he was a restricted free agent this offseason. With Strom, we don't have to worry about that until next offseason. So we, we do have that flexibility this season. If they can find you know a good player that they want to give a one-year contract to, you know, hopefully it's somebody better than Cam Ward at one year, three million dollars. But if they can convince somebody to take like a one-year, five or six million dollar deal, um, or trade for somebody with just one year left on their contract. Um, you know, we have that ability to absorb that kind of deal now. So that yeah. that as much as anything is why I think that the, the Schmaltz-Strom trade is really beneficial for the Blackhawks. And then, you know, if we can ever get Perlini to do anything, it's just gravy. Um, you know, obviously he had his one little two-week hot streak, but uh, he's basically been benched again because once again I well again I, I didn't see the games but I saw some comments from Colleton uh, after one of the games where Perlini didn't play at all in the third period and they were saying that yeah he's just he's not giving any effort away from the puck he's not skating he's not being tough along the boards and you know that's what we saw the first two months uh, after the acquisition where he was just worthless so you, you, you if yeah. he doesn't show a better improved motor next year where he gives effort you know on both sides of the puck uh, 
Yeah, they might have to. I don't think he'll. I don't think he'll be long for the team if if he he comes into camp next year and um, yeah, you know, puts forth similar effort. Yep. So we're. I'm about to kick it to your preview, the final preview of the year. But I thought for next week, since it's the last week of the regular season, last week of the season for the Blackhawks, I thought I tried something interesting, and we'd have uh, the listeners send in questions. So. Um, of course, my Twitter is STH85. Uh, Michael's is MJ underscore Ernst. So you guys can send us questions on there. Um, you know, just anything you want to ask, like anything about the Blackhawks, I guess about us too. I don't know. But just hockey, Blackhawks. Um, and yeah, send in your questions. We'll post on Twitter too and solicit some questions. But. Yeah, if you have anything you want to ask us, uh, tweet it, and we'll answer it on the next uh, episode. So, Yeah. Well, as far as our preview for the upcoming games, we already kind of gave a preview of the preview um, when we talked about the, the top of the Central Division there. Uh, we had just you know, lost to, the, to Winnipeg, who is currently two points up in the division, and the Blackhawks are going to be facing the two teams that are chasing them in the Blues and and the Predators. Uh, First up will be St. Louis on Wednesday night. It's a 7 o'clock Central game. Uh, It's a home game for Chicago. So, you know, uh, last year the the Blackhawks ended up knocking the Blues out of the playoffs late, uh, you know, out of playoff contention late in the season. And so now we got the opportunity to maybe deny them the, you know, a chance at the division title. So, at least in in terms of the rivalry, a little bit of you know grudge match, whatever. You know, I don't know that the players care that much about that, but you know, I think a lot of the fans still still care about beating the Blues and denying them glory and fun and all that kind of stuff. So that might be a game you still want to tune into if you're you know an old school you know Norris Division Central Division uh, um, fan that likes to irritate blues fans. Yeah. Uh, and then Friday night, the Hawks will, will remain at home and, uh, take on the stars at seven 30. The stars are currently holding the top wild card spot. So they're fourth in the central division right now. They are not in contention for the top of the division. And they also are pretty safe in terms of the wild card standings. Uh, they're like six points up. Uh, they're pretty secure in their playoffs spot, even though I don't think that they completely yeah. clinched it yet. No, that's so, yeah. But, I mean, yeah, I think they're in pretty good shape. So they might not give an all-out effort, you wouldn't think, but maybe. Yeah, by Friday they may have already clinched it up. So we may get a, you know, a few of their younger guys – and, you know, maybe their backup goalie, that sort of thing. Uh, but then the final game of the year will be played the following night in Nashville. Uh, that may very well still have huge implications for the Predators if they can keep pace with the Jets. Nashville's currently two points behind Winnipeg, and I checked a few minutes ago, Nashville was uh, is playing tonight, and they are winning, so... Uh, by the end of tonight, they could actually be tied with the Jets uh, for at the top of the division, although the Jets will, will have one game in hand. So 
you know, we could maybe deny the Blues on Wednesday and then perhaps deny Nashville on Saturday. Yeah, so that's that's something to go for. Yeah, and it's pretty cool um, the way the the NHL has uh, done the uh, schedule, um, very similar to what the NFL does where um, you play a lot of division games late in the year. You know, to to hopefully have situations like this where, you know, the top teams are, you know, the the division teams are playing against each other to jockey for position. You know, even though the Blackhawks are out of it, I'm sure the Blues and the Predators and the Jets are playing at least one game against each other this week. Yeah. Um, No, so it's good. It's a good way. And, like, obviously now with the playoff format, with the interdivision. First couple of rounds, yeah, it's right. It's pretty. Nice. Yeah, that even heightens it even more because you know you might have a game late in the you know the last week of the regular season that decides who has home ice advantage in the first round of the playoffs, and you might be playing that team in that first round matchup. So it makes for interesting competition. Maybe next year at this time, the Blackhawks will actually be playing a meaningful game for the Blackhawks and not just for their opposition. That would be nice. Yeah. So yeah. I guess uh, that's it, and we're going to have one more podcast of the regular season when we break down games, and like uh, we were talking about, we'll have, you know, a draft episode and a free agency episode, but we might not do them every week during the off season. but... Yeah, I was thinking maybe more like around once a month or something would be reasonable, and it wouldn't necessarily have to fall exactly once every month if... You know, depending on the timing of the draft and free agency, or if the Blackhawks do have a big signing or something, or make a big trade, maybe we can do a special episode for yes. stuff like that. If there's breaking Blackhawks news, we will have a a show for you. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, again, as always, everyone, thank you for listening, and send in your questions for a question and answer session next week, and. As always, thank you for listening.